When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay and I are going to talk all about Baker Mayfield and a potential extension. We're going to talk through what Mary Kay wrote this weekend about what it could look like, why the Browns might do it this season, uh, why they might wait, and then what the benefits could be for both sides. We also meant kick around Deshaun Watson a little, because why not? It's fun. It's a podcast. Uh, and then we talk about the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl and what we saw on Sunday. So check that out. And of course, check out Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info about how you can join our texting service, how you can get a newsletter every day with exclusive content, and of course, how you can get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com. Okay, here's our Tuesday podcast. Away we go on our Tuesday podcast, Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot and Mary Kay. We are going to talk about the quarterback position, the last position that we have not talked about in our positional reviews. So there's really only one guy to talk about, right? Baker Mayfield. So you wrote, you've actually written a couple of things, and, and that's kind of where I want to start this. So on Saturday, I believe, is when you posted it, you wrote about Baker Mayfield's extension and what might be coming for him, the Browns' options. So I guess let's just start here. Get us kind of caught up on that. All right. So basically, uh, when you break the whole thing down, what might happen is instead of them jumping right into the long-term contract extension this summer, what they might do is give it a little bit of time, let them head into the season and either negotiate something during the season, which I know can be a distraction, uh, but just kind of see how he does in the second year of Kevin Stefanski's scheme. And the reason why you would do that is because, uh, you know, even when you look at guys like Jared Goff and, and Carson Wentz, even though those guys had, uh, they had led their teams to the Super Bowl and they had made Pro Bowls, even though they did that, there wasn't this huge, long body of work that said, let's give these guys, you know, $32 million, $33 million a year over the next four years. Now, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. In the case of Carson Wentz and Jared Goff right now, they got those huge extensions after their third year uh, based on those credentials that we talked about. And as of right now, Carson Wentz, they're trying, they, they had to hire a coach in Nick Sirianni from the Colts, Colts to come in there and try to salvage Carson Wentz's completely broken career. He was broken this year. In the, in the case of Jared Goff, Sean, it seems like Sean McVay kind of like he fell out of favor with him a little bit. And it, it, I mean, he was benched for, for their first playoff game. That was not an injury situation. He was benched for their first play. If you're getting benched for your first playoff game, you have serious problems with your head coach. So these are two cautionary tales. And, uh, and it's something that the Browns really have to look at. Because when you look at Baker Mayfield's career, what you see is a good rookie year, 
a bad sophomore year and then half of a good third year. So that might say, let's pump the brakes on this just a little bit. Right, and well, the other thing with Baker is we haven't seen him put together a full year. You know, even that rookie year, that was a weird year. I, I mean, he, he did play well early in that rookie year, but there was there were the growing pains. And of course they had the mid-season coaching change and all of that, but it was really the second half of that season when things took off. And then this year, it was really mostly there was the bad weather. And then you came out of that from the Jacksonville game on. And you look at some of those, you know, project some of those numbers out to 16 games. I was doing that actually before, um, before we recorded. I mean, they're pretty good. They, they would be up there. You're looking at a lot of top 10 numbers if you projected those last, you know, however many regular season games over the course of 16. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's still only, what, six games? You know, so it's, it's not a huge sample size. It's not a lot to work off of um, as, as far as determining who he is long term. I think Jared Goff is the, is the comparison that stands out most to me because Carson Wentz is such a weird situation. Mm-hmm. He got hurt the year they went to the Super Bowl. He's playing at an MVP level, but got hurt that year. Um, and they kind of gambled on that extension. With Goff, it was like, okay, you know, Sean McVay comes in, kind of rediscovers who this kid is and, and turns him into a pretty good quarterback. They go to the Super Bowl. You know, you almost had to do it, but it made sense at least. Um, Baker, I think, is probably a little more similar to Goff as far as the type of player he is, some of those splits. Now, again, these are things that improved in the second half, but some of those under pressure versus kept clean splits and things like that, Mm -hmm. Um, playing within the system that Kevin Stefanski's put in. Of course, we talked about the McVeigh golf thing. So that that is really kind of the most interesting comparison to me is the the golf and, and the Baker extension. And I don't know when I look at those two players, they're different types of players. But, you know, if you're looking for that parallel, I think that's maybe where you find one. Yeah, that's a really, really great parallel. I agree with you 100% on that. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely something uh, that they have to look at long and hard before they do that. And when you look at, at this season, as you mentioned, there, there are a lot of things to look at. There are a lot of numbers that you can dig into, um, in, you know, including some of the ones that you mentioned there, you know, kept clean within the pocket and that kind of stuff. Uh, the number one thing that he did the best, and we all know this that down the stretch, is he did not throw interceptions. He yes. did not throw interceptions down the stretch. But I think you have to take each game as its own entity. And I also think that here's another thing. Here's another reason why you might want to just say, let's wait on this a little bit. And they might not. I mean, they might go out and sign him to the extension this summer. But But the case for waiting includes the fact that Teams haven't really dug into that film yet, right? They haven't looked at those six Baker games and said, here's what we're going to do to him. Here's what he did so well in those last six, seven games. And here's how we are going to stop it. Here's what we're going to do uh, to get to him. And I think you saw a few of those things in the, you know, even in the, in the Kansas City game. You know, they, they did some things. I've been very impressed, by the way, with Steve Spagnuolo's defense. I mean, oh, my he, gosh, yeah. Well, right? well, yeah, we'll get to those games. Um, but, yeah, wow. he's, he's the way they play defense in, in the playoffs has been unbelievable. It's been phenomenal. And, and they had a really good game plan against the Browns. They really did. They had a really good game plan. And teams are going to dig that film out, and they're going to see what they did. 
and and they're going to try to duplicate that. And so and other good defensive coordinators like Steve Spagnola are going to do the same thing. They're going to really dig in and they're going to figure out uh, how how to solve Baker Mayfield and how to get get past him. So you want to see how the Browns respond to that and how Baker Mayfield responds to that. So so that's one thing right there uh, that you have to think about is the fact that. Uh, that, that teams now, they have a, they're going to have a book on him in this new scheme. So I, I talked about projecting those numbers, and I want to read some of these to you. Um, if you take those last six games, and this is not counting the playoffs, and I, I thought Baker was really good in the playoffs, um, mm-hmm. but this, this is just counting the last six regular season games off of pro football reference um, and their projections for 16 games. So – he would have thrown at the pace he was on, he would have thrown for 4,568 yards, which would have been fifth. Oh, I was going to say way up there. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been fifth in the league this year ahead of Josh Allen, actually um, Mm -hmm. right behind Matt Ryan. Uh, Deshaun Watson led the league with 48, 23. And yes, we're going to talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson here shortly. Um, He, uh, his three inter let's see, here we go. 29 touchdowns and three interceptions. Now the 29 touchdowns would have landed him outside the top 10. Uh, but obviously that three interception rate is, is pretty unbelievable. That's, that would be projected over 16 games at the pace he was playing over those last six, a 29 to three ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other stats here rating uh, a one Oh three, four rating over the last six games, which let me find that here. Uh, that would have been sixth. He would have been ahead of Drew Brees, actually tied with Drew Brees. Uh, and again, that, that's Drew Brees' season total. And then the number that, the one number, regardless of where this discussion goes, that I think needs to get better, and this sounds crazy if you kind of think of it, but 65.16% completion percentage, which on the surface sounds really good. Yeah. But unfortunately i don't think that would i gotta find it here i I had looked at this earlier and i closed the window unfortunately but um here we go pass completion percentage that wouldn't even be in the top 10 right so that's the one that's the one area where and and some of it is baker does attack down the field a lot but that's the one area where i'd like to see that number bounce up a little bit is Mm -hmm. that completion percentage because we're in an era now where you know it used to be 60 percent you were golden Right. And then it kind of became 65%. That's pretty good. And it still is pretty good. But if you want to be in that top five, top 10 in completion percentage, you got to be close to 68 or, you know, you had three guys at 70% this year. Yeah. And, and Baker, I believe finished 30th in completion percentage in the NFL this year. And you're right. That number needs to get better. And as you mentioned, some of that uh, was due to how things started, not how things necessarily finished. Yeah. Well, just, just to note the percentage that I threw out though, that 65% is over the last six games. Right. Yeah. His season, um, his season number was 60. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. 62 something. Right? Yeah. 62.8, which, yeah. you know, that that's not going to cut it. Right. So that, that, that turned out to be 30th, but as you mentioned over those, over those last um, six games, it was, it was, really, really good. So he treaded in the right direction. But as we know, you want to see consistency before you shell out that kind of dough. And what kind of money are we talking about? We are talking about potentially $35 million a year. Okay. 
And you're talking about $35 million over four years with an enormous signing bonus, a ton of upfront money. Uh, and as you mentioned, they don't have one full season together of, you know, just like really good Baker Mayfield. So I think there is some wisdom in, in waiting a little bit. The other, the other idea of waiting is, as, as I just mentioned, the cash payout, okay? In a fiscally sort of strapped year, you would have to pay out a ton of money in cash this year. Like just go to the bank and get a bunch of money and hand it over uh, in cash. Not, we're not talking about the cap, just big old <laughs> signing bonus money right now, you know? Yep. From, because from a, from a cap standpoint, um, the, you know, you, you don't start really necessarily taking the huge cap hits until later. Um, so those are, those are some of the issues. And then there's one more area that I've been thinking about lately over the last couple of days when I'm trying to think about everything in, in regards to Baker is remember when, uh, we talked about earlier in the season, we were talking about Baker and I said, you know, you've got to be able to take an unflinching look at every aspect of the season. And one of the things that I think they do still have to look at is the fact that they beat Dwayne Haskins. They narrowly beat Mike Glennon. They beat the Steelers in the season finale when they were resting their starters to get into the playoffs. They beat Joe Burrow narrowly in Cincinnati when their defense, I think their defense, some of their best defensive players like Carlos Dunlap uh, and Geno Atkins kind of quit on them that game. Like Carlos wasn't even in on, on that last drive. I mean, he was on the sidelines trying to sell his house. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, that was a, a game that, that you need to look at. So you're looking now, everybody gets gimmies throughout a season. Oh, they got Deshaun Watson. This was something I just was reminded of today when I did a whole Deshaun Watson story. They got Deshaun Watson when Mother Nature was his biggest enemy that day. And his, the, best, the best defense for Deshaun Watson that day was the wind, was Mother Nature. I mean, it was, there's only been four times this whole entire season that Deshaun Watson has had a rating below 100, and that was one of them. His 163 yards in that game were his lowest of the season and the only time he's been in the 100s in yards. So there's five games that I can look at here where if one little thing had been different, they didn't make the playoffs, right? Now, right. every team can say that. Every team can say that. But some of the euphoria of the end of the season kind of detracts from the big picture of the whole season. And you need to, to really take a look at the whole big picture when you're deciding on this new big contract. Right. Now, the, the only pushback I would give is, you know, the, some of that wasn't his fault. You know, the right. Cincinnati game, he, he did what he had to do against Cincinnati. Now, look, that defense stinks. But he needed to score whatever the final score of that. They needed to score that many points, and, and he did it. Um, right. Against, you know, Baltimore was a game where it was kind of back and forth. It felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win that game. And es essentially, that's what happened um, if, you, if you take away that last possession, with, which was just pitching the ball around. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, look, we've talked about this in previous pods, too. They didn't play a murderer's row of pass defenses down the stretch. 
Right. So, you know, those are, those are the past defenses that he was kind of able to eat against and put up some good numbers. I, again, though, I do think he played well in the playoffs. So two questions here. The first is, yeah. do you think the Browns will do it this off season? Mm. That's a great question. It really is a great question. And I don't know that they know the answer to that yet. I think they are still weighing the pros and cons of whether or not to do it because of some of the, these things that we're talking about. And when I throw those other things out there, and when I talk about taking an unflinching look and being willing to be honest about the whole big picture, I don't mean to be ripping him because Baker, like you said, no. he played really well in the playoffs. I mean, that game in Pittsburgh was phenomenal. That game that he played again in Cincinnati where he went down and did what he did and completed the 21 passes and, and scored the game winning touchdown with 11 seconds left in that game. That was pretty darn phenomenal. Okay. Those are signs that yes, he is your quarterback of the future. And where do you sign on the dotted line? Those, those are, those go in the pro side of the ledger and you're like, sure, of course we should do this and we should do it right away. Um, but I think they're st still weighing the pros and cons of it. And I think in a perfect world, now they might get caught up in the moment because you hear the Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> you, you know, you hear Eric DaCosta, this is Monday that we're taping this. He came out today and basically said, we want to keep Lamar. He deserves the contract and we are going to, you know, talk to him soon. And we're going to do everything that we can to wrap him up for many, many years. So he might get done this offseason. Okay. Josh Allen, I would think they're going to do Josh Allen this offseason. They know he's their guy. Um, and he's shown it, you know, I think consistently enough for them that I think they'll do that. Dak Prescott's deal could get done this offseason, perhaps. Uh, so even just when you look at Josh and Lamar, the optics of how you feel about the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft, the optics of that might say to them, let's go ahead and do this now. Let's keep the good feeling of the 2020 season going. Let's show Baker that we believe in him and that we know he's going to take it to the next level and that we're sure that he's our quarterback of the future. Let's reward him with this big extension in the same way that Josh Allen got his and Lamar Jackson got his. So I could see that happening. I could see it just being this sort of momentum thing where it seems like it's the right thing to do. But if, if cooler heads prevail, I talked to uh, Joel Corey, a cap specialist, um, when I wrote that story the other day, which was, I think, appeared in Sunday on Cleveland.com. Uh, and, and I asked him, you know, what would you do if, if you were running the Browns right now? And he said that, that he would wait and he would go into next season and negotiate the contract at some point during the season when you know for sure that, that he is exactly the guy that you were seeing in the last half of this season, that defenses didn't somehow catch up to him, that it didn't have something to do with A, B, C, D, that it was just, yes, what we were seeing, we were on the right track with this and it's time to roll. So the second question then, and I, th I think we're probably going to disagree on this, but what would you do? I would wait. Okay. I, I would wait. I would wait. I talked myself into waiting as I wrote that column. And the headline on the column is why the Browns could hold off on the contract extension uh, this summer. 
I, I would wait um, because of the cash payout that you have to do in a year when you're probably going to try to do a lot of other guys as well. So you're going to have to give signing bonuses to Wyatt Teller and maybe Nick Chubb and Richard Higgins and, you know, a number of other guys. Okay. And you're probably also going to want to sign some free agents. So you're going to want to have some money to do that. Um, so from a bookkeeping accounting standpoint, that's one argument to wait. And then I think I would want to, I would want to see him in the second year uh, under Kevin Stefanski and just, and just see, because the other thing about Baker Mayfield, I mean, he, he was, he was great. I mean, his accuracy came back, his confidence came back and all of those things. Uh, but also he's got a pretty nice situation around him. Now I think the situation will continue. I think they have a really good personnel department and coaching staff. And I think they're going to continue to get coached up like that. And I think they're going to continue to stock their offensive line and keep that good. I think they're going to continue to make sure that they have good skill players. I think he actually has a lot of upside potential with some of the players on the team, like Austin Hooper. They didn't have a great year together. I think that has the potential to get better. Um, but I would still wait. I kind of like the idea of seeing how next season goes. I don't love the idea of negotiating mid season. I think yeah. that is a distraction. Um, but if you can keep that kind of on the down low enough a little bit and that like everybody knows going into it, that this is what the plan is, not all of us, but I mean the agent, the player, um, I, I would wait. What would you do? Well, I would do it. I do want to say one thing real quick. The, the, you mentioning all those signing bonuses kind of gives them some interesting cover mm -hmm. if they don't want to do it. And even it, it kind of gives Baker some interesting cover too, because he can say like, Oh, well, you know, I wanted to take one for the team and I'll get mine done next year, you know, yeah. and then he, he kind of comes off looking like the hero, uh, you know, how Tom Brady always took less money. I, yeah. I would do it. There's one caveat and we'll, and we'll get to that. But to me, I, I just look at it like it, it seems like you found a guy that, you know, fits in this system. Your head coach works well with you found your head coach, you found your quarterback. And at this point, you know, every, t every step you take where you don't make that commitment is kind of just another, like, okay, why, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. You know, so they'll pick up the fifth year option, which, which you wrote, yes. uh, but they'll definitely do that. Yes. But then every, every time you kind of put something off, it's kind of like another question mark and look, Baker keeps score, <laughs> you know, he keeps score about everything and I'm sure he'll keep score on his own team if, if they don't commit to him. And, and I just think you have a guy that if you're going to commit to him for what are we talking five or six years in this extension? Yeah. I, I think you do it because you can't just go back to, okay, what are you going to do if you don't commit to Baker? And you kind of, you know, and I, you, you laid it out again in your story that they could do the franchise tag thing, kind of what the, the former, the, what Washington football team did with Kirk cousins, right. where they franchised him repeatedly, but even that kind of, that's sort of a bad blood situation, right? Like you're just going to keep franchising a guy and you've got to do what's right for your organization. But I, I would, I would do it. I would say, look, this is our guy. We're going to ride with Baker. We're going to figure this out around Baker. Uh, we're going to do what we can to hide any, you know, deficiencies there are. We're going to accentuate the things he does really well. And we're going to bank on the fact that what we saw in the second half of the season is what Baker can be in this offense. Um, and there's risk because to me, Am I 100% convinced that Baker is going to end up being a top five quarterback 
you know, consistently every year? No, but I'm also thinking there aren't that many quarterbacks I trust. There's really only a couple at this point that I look at and say, yeah, I absolutely like Patrick Mahomes. I don't know how anybody's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. So he's one of those guys I trust. You know, obviously Tom Brady, I think is still in that after what we saw in this playoff run, mm-hmm. you know, Deshaun Watson, who we're going to talk about. And that's my caveat. Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson is a guy that, you know, even though he didn't win a bunch of games this year, I trust what he brings to the team, but there just aren't many guys like that. So yeah. I, I think you've, you've kind of built this structure all around Baker. So I would just go all in on it here for the next, however many years. Yeah. And, and here's, here's another thing uh, to consider. And I, I, those are great points and, and they might do just that. I mean, they might just do that because it just the way Andrew Barry talks, he really sounds like this is our guy, right? Yeah. Kevansky talks like that. Andrew Barry talks like that. Tremendous, you know, future is bright. All, all those superlatives, all those things that you say about a quarterback, but they stop short of saying we're going to do this or that. As you mentioned, we know they're going to pick up the fifth year option, which is going to come in somewhere around $20 million, less than it normally would have because of uh, COVID and the revenue shortfall. Um, so we know they're going to do that. That is for 2022. Uh, and that'll be somewhere around 20 million bucks. And I'm telling you right now, that is oh, that's, such a, that's a steal. Yeah, that is a steal. I mean, you will you will do that the minute you can, I would think like just do it. And they won't, you know, they won't even give that a second thought. Uh, so that that is a absolute no brainer. But um, and, and at one point when I still thought it could be potentially, I didn't know all that there were there's a bunch of new rules about 50 year options, a lot of new rules. Uh, potentially if it would have gone up and it was just the transition number, it could have been in the $26 million range. And that would have been something that you'd have to think about. But at this amount of money, it's not something that you really have to think about. Um, But the other thing to consider here is that if Baker waits, he could actually make more money if they do it next year. Because by then, if everybody's getting $40 million, you know, if they're going to give Josh 40 million and Dak 40 million, I mean, that the numbers go up every year. If he bets on himself and plays really well in his second year, he could bring himself up into that $40 million a year stratosphere. So there is some thought to, to waiting from his standpoint. Yeah, he could play himself into really big money. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say he let's say he waits and goes out next year and puts up Mahomes like numbers. Now the schedule is really tough next year. I know all this third place schedule stuff people throw out, but it's a it's a tough schedule next year. At least sitting here in January, you know, it, it looks like it's going to be hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he we know how Baker plays with a chip on his shoulder. But by the way, that twenty million just to put it in perspective, you look at some cap numbers next year. Derek Carr is at 22. Teddy Bridgewater's at 23. Alex Smith's cap number is 23. Uh, Mahomes is still low next year at 24. Garoppolo's 26. Tom Brady's 27. Tannehill's 29. So yeah, that 20 million mm-hmm. cap, and that, and that would be the cap number too, would yeah. be uh, an absolute steal for almost any starting quarterback. Yes. Uh, especially one who can go win you football games. Absolutely, 100%. So we can expect that to happen uh, immediately. And then that buys them some time because that is due on May 3rd, okay? So May 3rd is the deadline to pick up the option. 
So after that, you have the whole rest of the summer. If you want, let's say you wanted to get this thing done and not have it be a distraction heading into the season. You've got the whole rest of the summer, you know, into training camp and everything to get that extension done. So by then they'll, they'll have an idea of if it feels right to do it. If they, if they don't, I mean, they're, they're good to go. As I, as I mentioned, and you yeah. mentioned, they're good to go through uh, 2023 and beyond. If you go fifth year option, franchise, franchise. So, you know, they, they can keep him going for a while. As you mentioned, uh, the Kirk Cousin thing starts to get a little bit dicey there, just in terms of the commitment and how you feel. But, you know, if you're raking in a bunch of millions <laughs> and you know the and you know what the team's thinking is and you know what their philosophy is, I mean, and, and you know how they feel about you and they're, it's just, you know, these are economic decisions and you work through that, you know, maybe they can all all live with that uh, as opposed to diving right into uh, to the extension so it's there's so many different ways you could go about it yeah for me I, I would pay for the stability in the upside that's yeah. that, that's what I would do um, the one thing that I will also that you kind of have to consider and I know optics is one of those things that if you're you know an analytically driven front office maybe you shouldn't care about but I don't think it'll be fun for Baker if he's sitting around this, this summer and comes across his Twitter feed and Lamar gets paid and Josh Allen gets paid and he's sending out congratulatory, congratulatory tweets to all of his 2018 quarterback classmates on getting all their new money and stuff. And he's kind of just sitting around waiting for the Browns to make their move. I, I think, you know, that's one of those things too, that I, as stupid as it sounds, it matters if he's sitting there watching other guys get paid and the Browns, don't seem interested in doing it right now. I, I think that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, uh, that's why I think they could get swept up in that. They could get swept up in extension mania as it starts to happen. And, and I do think that there is something to that. I mean, even so, even, it's even so simple as, as like, what if the Haslam's are like, no, we want our guy to get paid too. Like, no, we don't want to wait. Yeah. Right. We want, sell, we want to sell some tickets. We need to sell tickets. Yeah. You didn't get to I mean, sell any tickets last year. Yeah. I mean, what one person wants to do, you know, the organization, you know, when you get into a group think situation sometimes, sometimes, you know, when the thought partners all get together, you know, you feel differently about a situation and you might want to have that, you know, great feeling of he's our guy. We got yeah. our man. You guys, we all want you bought in and we're going back to the playoffs and this year we're going to try to win the Super Bowl, And, and we nailed it with our 2018 number one overall pick and we're all gung ho and excited. So I think there's a lot to be said for that as well. And that, that could definitely happen. And, and also seeing guys on his own team, getting money that yeah. were drafted with him. Right. So you know, that's another thing. And one other little thing too, is you think guys in that locker room wouldn't kind of, if they didn't pay Baker, <laughs> wouldn't kind of, you know, I mean, they talk like we talk. Oh yeah. No, they, why aren't they paying Baker? What's going on here? I, you know, that you don't want to give up the farm just for stuff like that, but it, that is stuff you have to be wary about. And, and that's, those are some of the pitfalls of success that, that you have to fight against sometimes. Yeah. And you mentioned this to me the other day um, after 
Andrew Berry's press conference that he, when he mentioned uh, that that Baker is on the same trajectory as yeah. my Garrett, you know, and we're always looking for little signs and little clues about, you know, reading the tea leaves and trying to figure out what they're going to do. I, I actually pulled up the quote. Do you want me to read it here? Go ahead and read it. Okay. So, um, this is what he said. Like I said earlier, I'm not going to go into the specifics. I'll go back to my answer before. We are really happy with Baker. We would not be where we were without his performance this year. It was really the same trajectory with Miles. Obviously, we did his deal in the summer, but it is not something that I really felt comfortable talking through really into the offseason. I just do not think it's the right forum. We're very pleased with Baker. So that, that was the key line to me is when he said... Um, it was really the same trajectory with Miles. Obviously, we did his deal in the summer, but it's not something that I really felt comfortable talking through into the offseason, and he didn't think a, a press conference was the right for him. So that's the one thing that kind of stood out to me, kind of saying, okay, so is Andrew basically telling us they're going to do it without telling us they're going to do it? <laughs> it was a good catch on your part because that did not jump out to me like that. So that was that was a really good catch for you, for you to hear that. Um, and, and I, you know, that could be, you know, that could be meaningful. He could have slipped there and told us his intentions. The, the thing to remember about Andrew. I, I don't think he slips. Well, no, that's true. <laughs> but the, the thing about Andrew is that he is not one to announce his intentions with contracts. You know, you find things out about guys as you go along, right? And this is only our uh, second off season with Andrew. Uh, as the GM of the Browns. So what we now know is that he is not going to give up much when it comes to telling us what he plans to do with anybody, right? right. I mean, it's just not his way. It is not his way, I think in part because uh, he wants to preserve the sanctity of the relationship between the player, the agent, you know, just making sure that he's kind of keeping it in-house uh, so that's one thing. And the other thing is he just doesn't want to tip his hand. You know, he just doesn't want to tell the world what he's going to do before he does it. And then the other part of that is things can always change. Yep. And what you think that you might do three days after the season, three days after you lose to the Chiefs and you're still down about it, uh, might be different than what you decide to do in July when you know what the salary cap is. You know whether you're going to have a training camp. You know whether you're going to have fans back in the stands, right? Right. So he's not one to just like blurt something out. He's very deliberate in how he handles his business. Right. And I, I also went back and looked this up. Do you remember the Najoku fifth-year option? Yeah. We asked him about that the third day of the draft. So I believe it was April 25th. So third day of the draft last year. And he basically said, I'm not going to talk about that. Right. And two days later, they picked up the options on Najoku and Miles. So right. it's not like they slept on it, made the decision on Sunday after the draft. They knew what they were going right. to do, but he wasn't going to tell us until it actually happened. So it's, it's just tough. It's tough to figure it out with him. And you know what? That might change over the years. He's still, you know, sort of feeling his way through the whole message and the media thing. And everybody's different, right? Yeah. Some teams will say, you know, here's exactly what we're going to do. Like the, the Ravens right now are, are kind of like putting it out there, what their plan is. Uh, you know, we've had guys like Dave Gettleman in New York say, I absolutely 100%, <laughs> no way in hell will I ever trade Odell Beckham Jr. 
And then he trades Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, that, I can tell you right now, that's not going to be Andrew's style. I mean, we know that about him. So right. I, he is definitely, I'm playing it close to the vest. I'm going to talk to my players first. I'm going to talk to the agents first. And then you'll know after they do what we're going to do. Okay, so the name we've brought up a couple times, we've danced around it, let's just get to it. I said it was the one caveat with, with my decision to maybe extend Baker Mayfield, and that's Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, so you put up a post right before, I think you had published on it right before we hit record here. So yeah. what was your takeaway from sort of what you were working on, trying to figure out with Deshaun Watson? What, what did you take away from that? Well, I'll tell you, I've been, on, I've been working the phones, I've been talking to a lot of different people, and sort of trying to get a vibe of, you know, what the Browns possibly could do, why they would do it, why they wouldn't do it. And again, once again, it's very hard to try to figure out, you know, what their thoughts are, what their intentions are on things. So you kind of have to like piece the puzzle together a little bit. And basically a couple of general managers I've talked to, uh, one of them said that like, he's not even 100% taking this whole thing super seriously because, uh, you know, you just don't, find a 25 year old all pro caliber quarterback who is in obviously the prime of his career at the level that Deshaun plays at with the kind of contract that he has right now which you haven't had a chance to read that yet Dan but one of the best things about Deshaun Watson's contract is the Texans already drove him off the lot (laughs) they already paid him a 27 million dollar signing bonus okay So that depreciation has already happened. A huge chunk of his $110 million guarantee has already been paid. So the next team that gets him, sort of similarly to what happened with the Browns and Odell Beckham Jr., the Giants had already paid through the nose in terms of just the guarantees and the the guaranteed money and the signing bonus in the contract. So so the, the biggest sort of, signing bonus chunk for Deshaun has already been taken care of. It's a very favorable contract at this point for, for a new team, but the, the GMs and the people that I've talked to are saying, there's no way that their new GM, Nick Casario is going to show up on the doorstep in Houston and trade away potentially the second best quarterback in the NFL right now to Patrick Mahomes or at least one of the top four. Okay. I mean, just in terms of talent, ability, age, throw everything into the hopper. And I think we'd both put him in our top five, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. So he's a, let's just call him a top five quarterback in the NFL. Nick Casario, who went to John Carroll, by the way, one of the many, many executives in the NFL that went to John Carroll University here in Cleveland, Ohio. He is no dummy. He just spent all these years with the Patriots. They're not going to let Deshaun Watson walk out the door. So some of the GMs that I've talked to, they're like, you know what? Like, this is sort of crazy talk, you know? Just because Deshaun is kind of mad right now doesn't mean that they're going to trade him. And they don't have to. He's got a no trade clause in his contract, by the way. You know what I mean? So just because right now he is expressing his dissatisfaction doesn't mean they have to do that. So I've got you know, people saying this isn't, you know, this isn't even like reality at this point, but Chris Mortensen from ESPN reported, I think it was yesterday that, that even if they hire a coach 
like mm -hmm. Eric Bieniemy that Deshaun Watson feel, feels comfortable with. He still wants out. But, you know, I've heard that all before. I've heard, like, that, that it's a no-win situation, that, it, that you can never go back. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's over. Well, sometimes you think it's over and it's not necessarily over, okay? So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there, that there probably still is a good chance that they can hire a coach like that, that Deshaun Watson feels comfortable with, and then promise him, that they're going to replenish and fortify the offense. I mean, they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Right? Well, and a bunch and a bunch of draft picks too. And a bunch of draft. Who wouldn't be mad about I mean, that? They they gave up. I mean, heck, they traded draft picks to the Browns that they could have used. Now, obviously, that happened because they got Deshaun Watson, which I'm sure you, you would take Deshaun Watson over any draft pick. Right. But um, you know, they're sitting on Miami has their first round pick, their first and second round picks this year. And those are top five picks. Right. Right. So, so it's, it's tough. So I, I do think, I agree that it, it's going to take a King's ransom to get your hands on Deshaun Watson. If Nick Casario does it, I mean, there will be teams lined up out the door to get him. Okay. And just because Deshaun wants to go to the Jets doesn't mean the Jets are going to have what, what is the best offer. So this is still kind of in its infancy stages and in trying to figure out who and what, but I don't think Nick, Nick Casario is going to, I know he doesn't want to trade him uh, and therefore the price will be astronomical. There'll be very many teams that would want to get their hands on Deshaun. There's plenty of teams that have a need for Deshaun Watson. He is one of the quarterbacks in this AFC that can, that I think, can beat Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game, right? Yeah, I mean, I think what it would take is it would have to be a Miami, you know, basically saying, we'll give you the number three pick back. Yeah. And we'll give you two, uh, you know, right. or whatever. Maybe there's a quarterback they like, the Texans would like at number three. Or the Jets, you know, we'll give you the number two pick. These teams with multiple first-round picks they can give to the Texans to kind of kickstart any rebuild you either give them a young quarterback or give them a vehicle to get a young quarterback. Right. Like that would have to be the move, which is why even if, and again, if I were the Browns and the Texans called me because they love Baker Mayfield or they love whatever the Browns have, I, I would certainly take that call. You have to. Right. I just don't think the Browns would have what it would take to, to get a deal done without just completely giving up everything. And I don't think they, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we know how they value draft picks. Yeah. You know, and it would be different for Deshaun, but like you, you do still need to be able to ask the Houston Texans. You do still need to be able to draft some players, especially right. as your roster gets expensive. Right. And here's the other thing about the, the Browns. So this year they have the 26th pick, right? Yes. And this is a good football team. It, they're to the point now where they're, they're, they're going to continue winning. So next year's number first round pick isn't going to be very good either. Well, if, if you added to John Watson, that pick would probably be in the thirties. Yeah. So, I mean, so you, so, I mean, you, you, it's not like, yeah, it's not like you've got top five picks to give up over the next three years. You don't have, you don't have a good offer that you could put together. I mean, just unless you gave up, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and Baker Mayfield, and a yeah. couple of number ones. I mean, like, 
from a pick standpoint, they're going to be nice and low over the next few years, especially like you said, if they had uh, Deshaun Watson. So I, from that standpoint, they, they wouldn't have what it takes. I mean, they just wouldn't, unless, unless somebody just says, okay, Deshaun doesn't want to be here. And the only quarterback that we can see that we would get back in a deal that we really like is Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's, that's the only way uh, that, that this could possibly happen. But I still think it would take plenty more on top of that. And the Browns seem pretty committed to, to Baker. They seem like they really are not in the market and that like they're not going to jump into the market. Now, having said that, I would pick up the phone if I were Andrew Barry, if he hadn't done that already, and I would open the lines of communication. I would do that. I mean, like you said at the outset, you have to do that. You have to. If you're the general manager of a, of a football team right now and Deshaun Watson is on the trading block, unless you're the Chiefs or who else, or maybe the Bills, I, you've got to make let's that. Let's see, the, the Chiefs. I, I don't know. I don't know how many teams there. There might only be, you might only be the Chiefs. It might I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd have to go through quarterback by quarterback and, and kind of see. Uh, there, not, there aren't many teams that I would make the case that you wouldn't even, that you wouldn't. If I were the Buccaneers, I would think about it. Right. I mean, <laughs> their guy's 43. Why, yeah. why wouldn't you? Right. If, I if mean, the Texans wanted to trade me that guy. Yeah. So. I don't know. What about the bills? Would you do it if you were the bills? Yeah, I would. You'd pick up the phone if you were the bills. Yeah. I mean, if the bills are going to pick up the phone, then certainly Andrew Berry has to pick up the phone. You have to at least inquire. Okay. You have to hear Nick Casario say to you, no way. Right. You have to hear him say, look, your picks aren't going to be high enough. And no, you know, that's the quarterback isn't, you know, first they have to get a head coach. I mean, first they have to get a head coach. You'd have to see who the head coach is going to be. That's number one. And then after that, then you sit down with your head coach and you figure out, but I mean, but they would have to figure out, I mean, Andrew, Andrew has to at least have a conversation about him and potentially others. I mean, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to yeah. do that, even though it sounds crazy. Um, if, if you think you could have a chance and the way that I wrote it was like, I think they're probably going to pass on a chance, pass on Michael Jordan a second time, <laughs> <laughs> because obviously they passed on in, on him in the 2017 draft, which we all know now was a mistake. I mean, it was just, it was a mistake. I mean, like you don't, if you could do that over again and turn back the clock, you would not pass on Deshaun Watson at number 12 overall in that draft but that was a draft in which as I wrote this in my analysis in which Sashi Brown and Hugh Jackson were just not on the same page about anything and when you have your GM and your head coach at odds at big time odds there's no way that you're going to come to a consensus on a quarterback on, on a let's just say on a quarterback because it seems like they did arrive at a consensus on miles at number one overall but they couldn't arrive at a consensus on a quarterback and if they could have then deshaun watson might be here right now yeah 
Well, the good news is at the very least, you know, if they don't pick up the phone, you, you still feel good about Baker Mayfield yes. as the quarterback. He showed you that you can win football games. You can win playoff games Yes. Um, with, with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we kind of are with all of that. But you know, what I'm fascinated with is this is kind of the first NBA style moment yeah. for the NFL. We've seen right. players kind of force their way to different places. And, you know, we've seen a yeah. little bit of that, right. but this is a very interesting moment in the NFL because we've never seen a quarterback really do this. I mean, I guess Eli forced his way to New York. We've seen it in the draft. We've seen some stuff like that, but we've never seen a quarterback just say, I want out, trade me. And yeah. we'll see how this kind of plays out. And if the Texans do it and they get a haul, maybe this is the start of something in the NFL where we start seeing a little more kind of NBA style player empowerment, which I, I'm sure the NFL doesn't want, but we'll see. We'll see kind of well, where it goes. And, and you're right that we haven't really so much seen it with a quarterback, but we have seen it. I mean, he, Deshaun Watson watched DeAndre, De, DeAndre Hopkins basically do it and get his way out of Houston. Like he got himself out of there. He wanted out and he dictated uh, his exit from that team, right? We saw Jalen Ramsey pretty much do it. Yeah. So we have seen other players do it, um, but you're right. We haven't really seen a quarterback, especially not an all pro caliber quarterback in his prime of his career do this. Will it happen? Will it not? I don't know. I mean, wow, what a moment. What a moment, a pivotal, crucial moment for, for Nick Casario in his first job as, as GM. And if he does end up, if Deshaun does end up like with the Jets or with the, it's just, or with Miami. Or with Miami. I mean, it is like it, the AFC is already a nightmare of quarter, a gauntlet of, of really good young quarterbacks and it's getting better by, by the year. Right. Right. Well, one other thing I wanted to ask you just kind of in light of what we saw yesterday, um, because again, I said this earlier, I don't know how anybody's going to beat Patrick Mahomes. I really don't, especially if they still have all that talent, right? Eventually that talent will go elsewhere. They won't be able to afford it all, but that's such a good organization. They'll keep finding people. Right. So, I don't know how anybody's going to beat Patrick Mahomes. This is the NFL though. It happens, right? Even Tom Brady at his best. I mean, the Patriots won what six Super Bowls over 20 years. So there's, there's parody in the NFL. So, you know, he will be beat eventually for whatever reason, but it was really tough to watch that game yesterday against the bills. And I kind of believe that the Browns chiefs game would have looked a little closer to that had Mahomes stayed healthy. I think it would have been probably a two score game, maybe not quite as, as big a deficit, but I think it probably would have been a couple scores, Yeah. but it was really hard to watch that game and not think, man, the Browns should, the Browns should be out there playing the bills right now. And Josh Allen probably would have looked better against that Browns defense. And the bills probably would have looked better against the Browns, but it really just sort of drove home to me what we talked about a number of times last week that, this really was a missed opportunity. And I don't know. I don't know when you're going to get your shot to be Patrick Mahomes again. You know what? I agree with you 100% because it is going to be so hard, <coughs> excuse me, to get past Patrick, especially as you mentioned, 
Patrick with Tyreek. I mean, how good is Tyreek Hill? How, how good is Tyreek Hill? Come on. Yeah. Um, like so Kelsey. That, and Kelsey, that combination of Patrick and Tyreek and Kelsey, if they can keep that going for a while, it's dynamite. I mean, it is dynamite and you know they're going to get the ball and you can't stop them. And I, I, make the, I made the comparison somewhere along the line that when you add up Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill against the Browns, they each had 100 yards. The Browns' best tight end and, and wide receiver combined for 36 yards against them, <laughs> right? I mean, that, like, that's just not going to get you there. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be in, in incredibly difficult to get past Patrick. And I mentioned this on a, a pod that I did about this being a missed opportunity when Doug and I did that the other day, uh, that, that Patrick could be like the Browns' John Elway, where, you know, you're good, but you and Bernie was so good. But it yeah. was really hard. And I think Baker's really, really good. He brought them to the AFC divisional playoffs this year. He went 12 and five. But now they got to figure out how to beat Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you've got to be Patrick good to get there, right? Or if you're, if, if you're not, then your defense has got to find a way to get past Patrick. So that's going to have to be uh, the, you know, that's going to have to be the marching orders for this off season is trying to figure out how not just to beat Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and whatever might happen in, in Pittsburgh, which should be interesting. Whoever, I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Um, but not only do you have to gear your defense to that, you also have to gear it to trying to get past the great Patrick Mahomes. I, I, yesterday I said to my husband, I think Pat, just watching him make some of those throws, I said, I, I swear, I think he can go down in history someday as the greatest, greatest quarterback of all time. And he disagreed. Oh, with yeah. Uh, it, if, he's, if he stays healthy and wins Super Bowls, he's going to go down as the greatest ever. There's no doubt. That's, that's, what I, that's the path he's on. Yeah, that's what I think. And, and my husband was like, no, you can't say that. That's way too, it's way, way, way too early to say that. Slow down easy big fella no and I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like look at that I mean look at him oh, he's well and the thing that kills you too about the Chiefs is McCall Hardman fumbles a you know he muffs a punt gives the Bills free points it just yeah. doesn't matter right it doesn't matter and then they turn around I love that they go to McCall Hardman like over and over again on the next drive I know you know against the Browns one of their first touchdowns they committed a penalty it was second to 19 it just it doesn't matter they're not like this. The Browns are this precise, don't make mistakes, don't hurt themselves type of team. And the Chiefs are pretty, they play it pretty fast and loose. They make mistakes. They give up things. They, they get to second and 19s. They, it just doesn't matter. No. They, don't, does, they don't care. No, it doesn't matter because, I mean, Patrick elevates the play of everybody around him. I mean, how about the that little touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey? Think about oh, that. Oh, yeah, and they go back to stuff. I mean, that was maybe the second or third time they've run that this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we saw what they did last year in the Super Bowl when they when they took the play from, what, USC back in 1930? Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, they do, they do stuff like that. And then Tyreek Hill, I mean, my goodness, that – that speed, you know, that's something I think that, that the Browns do have to add uh, in the off season is some devastating speed, right? Right. Well, here's, here's the really scary thing about the Chiefs. Since Mahomes took over, they've lost one playoff game 
And that was the game where Tom Brady threw an interception and D Ford lined up offsides. And if that doesn't happen, they probably win that game. They probably beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. That's that's it. And then yeah. th- that was also the game where the Chiefs never saw the ball in overtime. Yeah. yeah. So it's unbelievable what they're doing. I mean, they were down 24 to the Texans. They were down 10 to the Niners in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. Joe right. Woods remembered that the last time we talked to him. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Eventually something will happen to them and, and they won't win because that's how the NFL works. You know, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, didn't win every Super Bowl for 20 years. So right. there's opportunities, but right. I, right now it's really tough to see them. And I don't know, maybe Tampa's defense is good enough to, to slow them down, but we'll see. But, and, and that is why. Uh, I think everybody in Cleveland had to have been thinking the same thing watching those games yesterday is that I I don't know how you can look at it like that. It wasn't a missed opportunity. I mean, Patrick Mahomes missed the final, what, 23 minutes of that game. 20. I went back and looked Actually, It was about seven, seven and a half minutes of the third quarter. Yeah. So almost 23 minutes of the last part of the game when you're, you know, nine points away and then five points away, five points away. And that was your moment to seize. That was your opportunity. That was your chance. And it's uh, hopefully for Browns fans and for the Browns, they'll, they'll get many more of those opportunities, Uh, but it's tough. It's, it's tough to win in this league. And I think this team is set up to win. I think they're poised to, to win big again next year. Uh, but it, it's it's hard, and and it was it was a little sad for Browns fans. I know that they were not playing yesterday. Yeah, they certainly had that chance, and it didn't happen. And it would have been very interesting to see how that yeah. game would have played out in Buffalo, um, how the Bills would have looked against the Browns' defense. A lot of a lot of things. I don't think it was a, it would have been a guaranteed win. I don't think the Bills would have played like that against the Browns. But um, yeah, it was certainly it certainly drove home the fact that like you had Mahomes out of the game for a quarter and a half and had the ball down five and had Chad Henney third and 14. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, that, that is tough. And that's why, I'm, I mean, I, I think that they, they struck the proper note at the end of the season. I do, I do too. Don't you? Like, yeah. let's, let's, we're disappointed about this. We didn't go there just like happy to show up on the doorstep and whatever happens. No, they went there to win the game. And so I, I, I thought they struck the right note about, you know what, let's sit with our disappointment. Let's feel this so that we do everything that we can, all of us, to get better in the offseason and make sure that we never have another moment like that where we don't rise up and take what we know we can get. So, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if that game comes up and certain moments in that game come up and Zoom calls or whatever this offseason looks like. Uh, in these meetings these players are having during the spring and in the training camp I'm sure you know they're they're going to talk a lot about that game and that you know that that scramble and all of that stuff these coaches are going to harp on that and they're going to use that to kind of drive this team forward I think so yeah and you know what else real quick Dan I, I I think the thing that will stick in the craw of some of them is that it just wasn't the best game for some of them you know what I mean it just I mean it just I think it was like unfortunately for Nick Chubb like either his worst game of the season possibly or one of them. I mean, it was like one of his two worst games of the season for whatever reason, he just did not have 
he just didn't have it that day. And, and Jarvis didn't play well. And, and Jarvis had one of one of his worst games of, of the season. I thought they mugged him and did a really good job of just, you know, just real tough in your face, man-to-man coverage. And he did not play as well as, as you was, would expect him to. I mean, you're not going to win a game with Austin Hooper having 16 yards and Jarvis having 20 and five dropped passes, you know? I mean, if they just would have played a clean football game, they win it. Yeah. Yep. A lot to, uh, that's what happens though, right? In the playoffs, yep. you lose and you kind of have to have carry the disappointment of that, of that into the next season. So uh, do you have an early, like early way you're leaning on the Super Bowl? We're still two weeks away. I think it's, it's hard for me to pick against either of these quarterbacks, but I feel like this might be Mahomes finally getting over that, that Brady, I, you know, lost him a couple of years ago with in the AFC title game. This might be Mahomes kind of making his statement here. Yeah. I, I think right now, as we speak, I'm leaning towards Patrick Mahomes. He's got time to heal up the turf toe which was another issue that he had. Uh, he was limping around in that uh, Browns game. Uh, so he's got time to heal from that. He'll be another couple weeks out from the whatever we wanted to call it that happened against, you know, in the, in the Browns game with the vasovagal reaction or the, concu- you know, the whatever that was, concussion. Um, so he'll be a couple more weeks out from that. Um now they did lose Eric Fisher. Yeah, that hurts. That hurts because they were down to their third string right tackle. Yeah, and it, it sound I'm not sure if Mitchell Schwartz is going to be back for this game. I think I saw a tweet today that Andy Reid's not real optimistic about that. So, and, and we know Todd Bowles will dial up that pass rush. Yeah, I mean they're going to have to if they don't have Eric Fisher and they're down to their third string right tackle. I mean again, Patrick can cover up for a lot of ills, but could you imagine? how many Browns games they would have won without Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, think about that, you know? Yeah, that one's big. Okay. Uh, I think we'll wrap it there here on our Tuesday edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. As always, make sure you're subscribed. So you get this right in your feed every single morning and check out football insider as well at cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks.